Hey, numb nuts. <laughs> Which way is catering? <laughs> you want to start with that? Hey, numb nuts. <clears throat> no. <laughs> Why not? For the Peters? You're talking to me, not Peter. I know. Oh, I wouldn't call Peter that. Because he's so chumming. I'm trying sure. to think of when oh. guys walk off the bus. Oh. What's the first thing they say? Or girls. Yeah. You're probably just someone's assistant. Can I talk to somebody in charge? <laughs> <laughs> sure can. Which way is catering? With Justine and Bruce. Served up by Variety Attractions celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Get your backstage pass and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Part 2. Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits. He talks about voodoo dolls, which you're not going to expect, but he goes there. He goes there with pins mm-hmm. and needles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More we- talk about Elvis. Mm-hmm. And his stunt double. Peter's love for reading. He's an avid reader. Avid reader and a collector of first editions. Mm-hmm. He also talks more about Mick Jagger and the Stones. Talks about what he's been up to lately. All right, is your backstage pass ready? It's ready. Let's go. So back to your um, point about the, you know, the the artists and the musicians treating their their audience well. And, you know, the example of someone getting roses. I know your fan base is obsessed. Have you ever gotten anything super weird or odd as a as a gift? Every day. Every day. <laughs> I, get people who make, I can go and get I got somebody who made a doll of me like it's no. like a voodoo doll. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I just hope they don't put the voodoo dolls below voodoo doll pins below the way. Take it up the face a few pins and things. Ah, you know. Uh. But that is a voodoo doll, isn't it? And I get lots of those. Some people think wow. that I must be. And you know, I have the I have the best fan club ever because they're amused by my. Sometimes I'm rude, and they think that's funny because I say rude things with an English accent. Oh yeah, so then it sounds. <laughs> so then right. it's funny. <laughs> Then it's cute and charming. Like, I don't know if you saw it, Bruce, but you, you know, Boris in England, they're in the Houses of Parliament, which was awfully very, 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 very high. And, and some woman was making a speech. And, and he goes, Oh, drop dead. <laughs> oh, drop dead. Drop dead. <laughs> you can't say that during a pandemic. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then he said, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know, just because he had such a great accent. I laughed, you know, I think that's funny, but my fans let me do, let me get away with it. And, you know, I've got to tell you, people think I'm being nice, but nobody, I'm never as nice as Don and Phil Everly, because me and my sister went to see Don and Phil, the Everly brothers. It was weird. The Stones were on the same bill and Mickey Most before I was signed with him as a record. So I went to the show and it was the Everly brothers, Bo Diddley, Mickey Most, somebody called Susan Maugham, and uh, the Rolling Stones. And at the end of the show, it, it's, it's like a milestone in, in my life. At the end of the show, my sister, we, actually, we never collected autographs. We never, ever got an autograph. I think the, I only got Carl Perkins' autograph in my whole yeah. life. So, you know, and you wish you'd had selfies then because, you know, I met Elvis and I didn't even get a picture. Oh. So, you know, there's other people took them and I finally got them hundred years later. But, you know, I didn't go, oh, can I take a selfie? It would have been great. I would have all these great pictures now. Me and Little Rich, and, you know, me and Elvis and all the great people. So 
we stand, we walking around the back of the Manchester Palace, I think it was, around the back street, because we got, we went to the bus stop. My dad makes me go with my sister on dates. <laughs> That's the kind of dad I had. Mm. Poor girl, <laughs> little brother, 11 year old brother on a date. Oh, I thought so, she was joining you on your date. Like a no, chaperone. No, the other way around. To no, watch you. Like a chaperone. I had to keep my dates a secret from her. Yeah. Uh-huh. A, plastic, a plastic statue of Sister Agnes implanted in her forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back, we, we walk in, and out of the back, there's a, sh- a bus waiting at the backstage door. So, you know, I'm only 11 or 12, but I go, that must be 13, maybe. That must be the bus that the Everly Brothers get on with all the band and everything. So we we just stand there. We take our time. We've got, we've got like 15 minutes. So we just take our time. You see the drummer come with all his stuff. And then, and then you see Susan Moore and the, the Rolling Stones. And they all get on the bus. Getting like, oh, they're Rolling Stones. You know, ooh, they look nasty. You know, they look scruffy. Yeah. Scruffy, my sister. Scruffy. Oh, they're scruffy. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then the Everly Brothers come. And there's a couple of people there who want to meet the Everly Brothers. You know, there's always those people backstage. And the Everly Brothers don't get on the bus. They walk over to those people. And they're going, as if they know them. All gentlemanly and everything. Uh, And I'm standing there with my sister. And and I go, hello. I have, I have never been good at that. You know, I'm not good at that. You know, a lot of people say you could cover fear by, you know, <laughs> I don't even have, <laughs> yeah. I, go, I go, hello. And they go, hey, I'm sure that it's because they were happy to see somebody 30 at their concerts. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that at the time. They were so gracious. They tried to give my sister an autograph, even though she asked for one. <laughs> Would you like me to say hand? And they got this we call them American accents. There were different American accents than, than Elvis Presley. It was like from Kentucky or something. And we were completely gobsmacked by, you know, it made us want to go and buy all their records. They're really nice people. They were really, really, really nice and and slow and casual. And they'd just done a concert that was phenomenal. You know, you, there was no way that you could ever, you could say that no one will ever be able to play a concert as good as that ever again. But they are being pleasant and polite as if they do it every day, you know, as if they do a concert every day. And oh, that's nice. Oh, thank you for buying the record. And they spend a few minutes with that and then they get on the bus. And then Mickey Most comes out and he's got this girl with him, this beautiful girl cook. Her name is Christina. And she's like 16. And he's got his guitar and his guitar had no strings on it, Bruce. He had a guitar with no strings, no like strings. Graham Nash. You know, they're just pretending to be a guitar player. Yeah. And, but during, <laughs> try that. during the show, it, it, during his show, he during the guitar solo, even though we could, we didn't know about strings on guitars. We didn't know, but we knew that he wasn't playing the guitar solo, but he kneeled down and did kind of a moody, you know. <laughs> we thought, oh, well, that's great. That's real rock and roll. You know what I mean? He must be American. <laughs> we never said a word. He must yeah. be American. You know, Mick Jagger was doing American songs with an American accent, and Bo Diddley was. So we thought Mickey must be Messiah. So, and then Mickey Mouse comes and he opens, he doesn't get on the bus. He opens the hood of a car and puts his guitar in the engine. And me and my sister go, What's going on here? You know, and because it's a Porsche. Mm. Oh. And the, 
it, the trunk is in the front of the car, in yeah. the, under the bonnet, as we called it. And we go, so it immediately acts attract. He, he now is pretending to be the star of the whole show, but nobody wants his autograph or anything. They're just looking at him. What's this? Who is that masked rider? And he, <laughs> and he opens the he opens the door of the car and lets his girlfriend get in. His wife, it was. He's just a girl. He's got this bird with him. You know what I mean? Closes the door, walks around, gives like an Elvis Presley kind of wave as if everybody there is watching, is there for him, that they've all spent 20 bucks on the ticket to see him. And he gets in the car and speeds off after the bus. You know what I mean? So I go, mm -hmm. whoa, he'd be a good record producer. Yeah. <laughs> Although I didn't, I didn't even have a band yet, you know. As I went, began my career and got further, more and more people, I, the more people I met who were my, my idols, the more they were fascinatingly gentlemanly with their, with their audience. Mm -hmm. And that includes Connie Francis. You know, you don't know what Connie Francis is going to be like. She was fabulous. Brenda Lee, Elvis Presley. I mean, Elvis, nobody, nobody talked about how fun Elvis Presley was. You just, everyone made him out. Even the people made him out to be a moron. And he was funny and charming and quick witted. When I met him, I was like shocked because I thought, you know, he, first of all, he looked just like Elvis Presley. <laughs> you know, that's unusual. You walk in the room, oh my God, he is the most handsome guy I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. he, it's Elvis Presley. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> and and he was funny and he punked me and Barry Whitwam. We, we're the only people who show up for the meeting, right? It's, it's that thing is going on that we'd flown from Japan or something and we we're in Honolulu. And, and me and Barry, because we're the biggest fan, we stay up all night because we know that at six o'clock, six o'clock at the ranch up in the mountains means you have to leave at 4.30. So if you go to bed at midnight with 19 Dakiris or 22 Singapore slings up your sleeve, mm -hmm. you're not going to be ready at 4.30. So me and Barry stay up all night. We're at 4.30, we get in the car. They're not going to wait because Elvis Presley's not going to wait. They start shooting at six o'clock. You've got to be there before they start shooting. So we get there and they show us, me and Barry, into this hut. It's in a real Hawaiian village with huts and everything. And lying on the floor, completely shit-faced, is this man <laughs> face down like that. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And me and Barry, because we like schoolboys, really, we, we're looking around. Well, how do we handle this one? You know what I mean? This is Elvis and he's not in good shape. And then Elvis comes in the door and the guy turns over and it's Elvis's stunt double. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dressed like Elvis. Yeah. With the hair and everything. Yeah. Looked a little bit like him. Looked close enough like him that he eventually snagged Elvis's wife. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, stunt double, you know. And it, yeah. 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 But you were saying, I, I think you were going down that road, is that I think when you met the Everly brothers and just kind of saw how they handled themselves. That's how you are now. I mean, you stand, you talk to everybody that comes to your merch table or you're walking down the fairgrounds and someone says, hello, you're, you're just like that. Well, well, I try to be, you know, no, I'm not a hundred percent. Sometimes I'd say, get out, get lost or, you know, drop dead. <laughs> you know, sometimes, but, but, you know, 
it, it's not, it's not really that. I think I, I've got this, luckily for me, I have this thing called gratitude and it sort of worked for me because I think, like I said before, Bruce, and this is the weirdest thing. I think I am the audience as well as the, I am them. You know, I know how they react to me and I know what they'll take home at the end of a meeting. Was he a jerk? You don't want that, you know, because what, what show business is, is a, a load of, the, word, the key word in show business is you never want to disappoint anybody. You don't ever want to show up and be too fat, too drunk, too bad moodish. All the things that you could disappoint people like, you know, even here's God. You can disappoint people by not doing their favorite song, even if you're sick to death of it. I, I saw, you know, I saw Roy Orbison and I did a few dates with him. Some days it was really tough on him to sing Running Scared, but he still did it. Mm -hmm. And he never disappointed. He didn't feel that he'd done a good job on it because it's a pretty hard song to sing, you know, on that guy. Was like, all right, all right. It's, all, mm -hmm. it's all tenor stuff, you know. Italian tenor singing in a rock concert with a new drummer who you just met. So he never disappointed me. And I think I constantly live in that fear of disappointing people because I've been disappointed. I've been seeing some, some really, really good people who turned out to be not nice, you know, and, and, and I have a radio show and, and I, I do some great, um, great fun things. Like I, I, I say my mother told me that if I haven't got something nice to say about somebody, not to say anything at all, anything at all. Mm -hmm. And then I play their record. Yeah. <laughs> So, so speaking of that, was there, I'm sure there was, but out of all the people you met, was there somebody that you really wanted to meet that did kind of disappoint you? Not really, because, you know, I've, I have this great forgiving nature, you know, where I, I put into the, into the thing, you know, well, maybe that, that was just a bad time. I was a bad time. I shouldn't have jumped in then when I jumped mm, in, you know, mm -hmm. because I sometimes after a show, you just, you know, there's that minute after a show I overcome. You know, I think I mentioned it before people overcome shy with massive amounts of talent. Mine is I walk into the room. Hey, everybody. How you That's my overcome shy. I could go in and go, oh, oh, oh. I know lots of people who cower in fear of crowds, you know, who are mm -hmm. famous but they don't like, they like the stage because they aren't close to the people. And they say to me, when I ask them, how are you doing it? How are you doing with this? He's like, I always like being 10 feet away from people. <laughs> and, you know, Hey, Peter, you're, you were social distancing before yeah. it was something. Exactly. But, you know, I was, we remember the hermit thing is, was, I kind of had a reclusive moment there in, in, I remember in Brook Muse North, I lived in this place and, and Paul and George Harrison lived down the same street. And, and I had this stay in all day and I would listen to records and would be called reclusive. But, you know, I, I would go through periods as a teenager where I would want to read every book that I'd ever heard of that was supposed to be good. And I would lock myself up and not because you needed when when fame is all over the place, you need to escape from fame. You know, have you noticed that people nowadays are not allowed the opportunity to escape from fame? <laughs> you go mm -hmm. out to I'd like to go to the supermarket and there's 100 people out waiting for you there. You know, we've got those that royal couple here who live in a village. 
And people are fine. I ignore them. When I see them, I turn the other way because I think that's probably the best thing. You know, they don't have a psychedelic Rolls Royce. <laughs> so, so that means they leave them alone. Uh, and luckily, when, when, it was, when it was necessary for me to, to think inwards and I was always able to lock myself up and, you know, uh, I wanted to impress everybody by, uh, you know, like, you know, Atlas Shrugged and the Lermontovs and the Diary of a Madman and all that. And when mm -hmm. I was a kid, I got all that. I ingested all that interesting stuff that's nothing to do with music and nothing to do with my personality. I, I don't fit in any of it. I did like Diary of a Madman, though. I thought that was pretty good. I talked to my dog as well, but the dog hasn't spoken back to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyways. I was going to ask you, Peter. So when you when you're at venues, I mean, you've played so many places around the entire globe. Do you have one specific location that stands out that you absolutely loved? And what was it? You know, I don't have a specific one. I everyone is. T I say to the I say to the the mo my modern musicians, the ones who are with me today. We played here before, but every every gig is totally unique. There aren't two the same. It won't be the same sound. It won't be the same people. It won't be the same set list. And, 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 and to cover myself, to make that not happen, is I banned the set list theory. I shout out the songs and you better be ready so that they're constant. And you know, consternation uh, reads to the audience as enthusiasm, like, what is he gonna do? <laughs> and the great thing is, the great thing is that if, because I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to think about it quickly, which makes it look like it's, it's energetic. And, and usually what I do is I kind of read the audience a little bit and I see that there's family, like over there on the, on the left is this family with two teenage, as a teenage girl and a teenage boy and a mom and dad. And that could be grandma over there on the sitting. I wonder if she's with them. And, I, and it doesn't take me long to sort of read it. And I go, well, those kids must think we're the most boring thing they've ever seen in their life. <laughs> so let's do something completely different, you know? Mm. And then they'll go, oh, that's why grandma likes him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, it, yeah. and mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, you know, I don't think I'm a musician. I think I'm an entertainer. And, and it's, it's like Jerry Marsden once said to me, we're on the plane and we're going to, I think we're probably coming to America. And, we're sitting on the plane and they give you they give us a card you know when you travel overseas they give you a card so we're coming from england or and we're going to australia or america or somewhere and on the form it says occupation and i say because i'm a kid you know i've been i've been around the world already but i'm still a kid and i think that people who are older than me are smarter than me you know that thing mm -hmm. when you're a kid you think oh he's yep. 21 he must know all about this mm -hmm. so i said say to you, jerry you know what you put for occupation he's a musician I said, but you know, if you put musician, they want to shine the torch and, and they take you in the back room and feel you all over and everything. <laughs> what else? Should, I don't want to put musician. He says, well, you're not a musician anyway. You're an entertainer. <laughs> the musicians stand behind you. <laughs> I put That's entertainer. Really it was the first time. Until then, I'd always written I was a musician because the singer in the band is still a musician. And I'm in the musicians' union, but now you're an entertainer. So I put entertainer. And from then on, I go, well, I'm not really a musician. They're the musicians. I'm just an entertainer. I can mm. get out in front and I can be inventive. And I try to come up with different ideas. And I, you know, as you know, I research every gig I ever do. I was like, it's pathetic, really. 
like an actor, you know, I try to get inside it. And uh, so, you know, like when I play in West Alice, I know all the names of all the villages around here. Mm -hmm. I know the name yep. of the bank that's through, you know, and that's, that's part of my day every day when I'm on the road. And that's what I miss right now, having things to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Peter, away from the music side, you being an entertainer, Peter Noon himself, now you're kind of a car guy. Correct? Well, yeah, I have been. I've, I've grown out of it, you know, because now the cars that I want are more, more expensive than I can afford. You know, once, once upon a time you were a pop star and you just bought all the things that you, you know, and your business manager would find a way for you to pay them on the next tour. Now I go, oh, I love that car. So now what I got is I've kind of found my way to my real cars. I got a, I've got an Audi A6, which is like to go to the airport. And it's got a massive big boot in it, trunk. And you can get a load of stuff. You can get an amp. You could get a drum kit in it if you want. It's just an A6, but it's a big car. Obviously, big Germans had this car. Mm -hmm. And... And my other car is like a racing car. I got that BMW 750 with the racing lights and everything. And that people think, oh, there's a rock star when I go in that one. And I, you know, I just go to the supermarket in that one. And, you know, my hairdressing appointments. And I said, mm -hmm. no, I've had a hairdressing appointment. Too. And, <laughs> and uh, you didn't need one, uh, Bruce. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Thank you for so, noticing. So, <laughs> an appointment. You don't need an appointment. This no, week. I don't. Uh, I wake up and, like uh, I wake up like this. <laughs> See, I don't even have I don't even have to crack the jokes no, about Peter you because Peter's got me covered. Yeah, <laughs> was that a joke? I thought I was just a mean spirited slick. And you but said anyway, it which with your uh, British accent. So English, yeah, exactly. I've got you with an English accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I, what I would say if I knew you better was, isn't it time for you to get a shaitel? A shaitel, <laughs> which is a it's a, a Jewish, a Yiddish word for a wig. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, <laughs> okay. I took some I'm okay. Pictures, I took some pictures of my dog in, with a wig on it. It's hilarious. <laughs> People didn't realize it was my own hair. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. Yeah. But you can cut that bit out, Bruce. Was no, just, that's right. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. That's funny. So, yeah, there you go. What I've been doing for weeks now is I, I do a little thing called Facebook Live with all and people, my fans come on and I've been, um, you know, kind of trying to entertain without music. You're not allowed to play music live without causing, you know, getting rights from all the owners of the, each thing. So I need a set list, so I can't do it. So I just wing it and I just play 30 second pieces of my songs and mess around with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm keeping myself really busy. I didn't realize I would be this busy and I'm looking forward big time to go back to work. You know, yeah, big time. I, mean, I really oh, think yeah. I've got. I mean, I think you know, all I of us. To my, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, Bruce. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. ahead, Peter. But I was just going to say, I think all of us, I mean, okay, the money is important and all of that, but it's all about the the hang mm -hmm. over the summer and seeing everybody and going to, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, it's all of that that we miss the most. Yeah, the interaction mm -hmm. and. Well, people, people sometimes ask me, Bruce, same, same thing, like, um, what part don't you enjoy of your job? And, you know, I struggle to find it. I struggle to find the bit, you know, because when I get in my car and go to the airport here in Santa Barbara, it's like 15 miles. It's an adventure. 
because I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, and, and I've checked whether the planes are on time. I know I'm going to Milwaukee and I know that the connection is from Denver and I know and all those things. And when I get in Denver, I don't know what kind of car I'm going to get. I've got a rental car and, and I don't know if the tickets for me to get in to do the gig at West Dallas are at the hotel already or whether somebody else has got them. It's all a big adventure. And, and you know me. When I get to Milwaukee, the first thing I do is go walk around. I love to walk around cities. That's my, that's always been my thing. And, and in Milwaukee, in the airport is the greatest book dealer in the world. <laughs> I once won the prize of spending the most money there in a year. Oh. <laughs> look, at my, look at my books here. Look. Oh, They're yeah. Almost all of them. Oh, wow. Almost. And those are real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're real. And almost all of them I bought in Milwaukee. Hmm. You wow. know, because, because I was specific about my collection. They have to be written in English and they have to be a subject that I want to know something about. So there's like, when, when I got married on my, wow, it's six, 1968, so it's 50, 52 years ago, my wife bought me the Winston Churchill's History of the English Speaking People as a, as a wedding present. So I began my first limited, my limited edition, first edition book collection. And all those over the years I've collected, loads of them I bought in, in Milwaukee. So when I get to Milwaukee, just at the airport, I go to the airport when I'm leaving early so that I can have a look around there and see what they've got. And sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes I say, can I look at that book? And they look at me like, well, you couldn't possibly afford that book you know and i say i say it's not for me it's for oprah winfrey or something oh. you know like that and, 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 so and what, uh, are you, what are you reading now then peter what are you reading right you now you know i i'm the, the weirdest thing i'm going to show you what i'm reading it's the weirdest thing because it's it's up here i, I read that keith richards book but it's right underneath my thinker it's called stone alone by bill wyman and it's 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 an interesting book most books are not as interesting as this one because he kept records all the time of the Rolling Stones where the gigs are in it. And a lot of the information, see, it's his, he's the camera. And you know, sometimes the camera doesn't see the real activity. And a few times he's got completely wrong. He's got this story in here where it's in Philadelphia. This, this, is, this is what happens when, you, when you've got lots of interest. When they played in Philadelphia, I mentioned it before, there was a curfew in Philadelphia and we didn't know that the stones were even on the bill, but they said, you know, the promoter, the Rolling Stones date wasn't selling very well. And the Herman's Hermit's date wasn't selling very well. So he put us both on the same, but he didn't tell us. So only when we arrived there, you know, and all the promotion men from their label and all the promotion are all having this fight. And, and the stones say, well, we're not going on before Herman's Hermit's. That's, you know, we're far too big for that. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I agreed. Yeah, you should go on after us. And then we found out that there was a curfew, a 10 o'clock curfew, and that Herman's Hermits weren't due to go on until nine o'clock and, and do 45 minutes. So we said, we'll do 35 minutes, give you guys a shot, right? And it gets later and later and later. And we go on at 9.10 and at 9.35, we're still singing second verse same as the yeah, first <laughs> and they're furious because they think that we're hanging them out and of course what happens is they get texted like i hate this part of show business then their roadie 
takes 15 minutes to set up the gear. They're not smart like the Beatles. One, two, three, in we go. It's mm-hmm. like all this nonsense going on. So they go on at like 12 minutes to 10 with a 42-minute set to do, right? But at 10 o'clock, the police start moving people out of the building. So during the Stone show, they, all they see is people leaving, right? That's all Bill saw because he's like, Looking at the audience, they're all leaving. So he blames us. We had nothing to do with it. I suggested that they should close the show. I didn't do it on purpose. So he he kind of blames me that Herman and we had this argument. There was this huge ride. No, there was no huge. I was standing next to Andrew Oliver Mick Jagger and I said, Yeah, you go, you go, we'll be get we'll be done by 9:30. And we were, you know, 9:32. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just very funny stuff. So in the book, he's got his story which is in the real story. So it's good to read it and go, oh, no wonder they thought I was a jerk. I wasn't a jerk. <laughs> he thought I was a jerk. You know, Mick Jagger knows I wasn't a jerk. He, he, he kind of likes me. Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when we saw you one time and the Pete Townsend book came out and there were things in yeah, there. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, luckily, no one read that book because everyone knew <laughs> it's called uh, Who I Am. And everyone knows that who he that's not who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was some sort of cover up book for something else more mischievous mm. than Peter mm. Noon. Yeah. Uh. But Peter Noon can get kind of mischievous, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing for yeah, that. <laughs> I just wish that. You, you just wonder where people come up with this stuff, you know, and I don't know. He's a nice guy. I don't know why he would do that. But I also wrote that this is a great book. Hey, look, I read this one, which is quite fascinating. Somebody told me to get this and I got the autograph copy. Look, the autograph and it's called Great Singers on Great Singing. And what I realized is all these great singers, when they give you a tip because they're great singers, you would believe it. You go, oh. Pavarotti's tip is you take a piece of the carpet and you burn it in olive oil in the kitchen for an hour and gargle with it. You become a great singer. <laughs> All their tips are about how to protect your voice from trouble. Right. Me and me, we got lessons. We, we, we both did this musical and we had to sing kind of sort of light opera. And um, we got a woman giving us lessons and, you know, it completely changed my life because I didn't know how to sing. I thought, well, I've sold 60 million records. You can't give me a, a lesson on how to sing. And this one was there to protect our voice so that you can do 100 gigs a year mm. and not get hurt. And before I would do 10 and I'd be like, I can't sing anymore. <laughs> Taught me. She said, it's a great thing because me and Belushi were, were not the brass in the, we weren't trainable. A kind of lack of humility, you know, not having an ability to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. So we were definitely not humble. And, and she said, you know, if you if you were a pitcher and Tommy Lasorda said, get out there. And Tommy Lasorda was the L.A. Dodgers guy. Mm-hmm. So he says, get out there and get those men out before they get to first base. Would you walk out there? And the first ball you throw would be your fastball, your best fastball. Or would you slowly warm up for 45 minutes, knowing that Tommy might call you? And then when he comes out, you go out and you do a little one first. The the batter knows that you're going to throw a sim, not your best ball first, and slowly get for that. We'd never thought of that. 
you know, it was like you run out, you do, you throw your fastball first. And, and, and once this old George Burns, I, I, we're doing a TV show. I think it was the Smothers Brothers show or some great little TV show with Tommy and Dick. And then he goes, I say, you know, I have no idea. I'm sort of stuck. I don't know what to do here. And I don't know what to do here. And he said, here's the trick. He's like 90 years old. He's giving this kid tips. You go on good and you get off good. Everyone will forget what you did in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great, isn't it? You yeah. know what I mean? So I go, yeah. I'll go on with I'm into something good and I'll go off with Henry VIII and there's a kind of hush and they'll forget all the stuff in the middle. So did you ever have a, uh, in any of your shows in the early days till now that you had somebody in the audience that just was not happy? Mm. A heck oh, I always get uh, that. Do you? I always get that. And I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, Don Rickles could knock you out with a great line. I just have to go and knock you out. <laughs> 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 I've still got that Irish virus, you know, that like, like I, I want revenge. If somebody's being rude, it takes a lot of talent to do repartee with a drunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I t- Usually I try to I try to overcome it and just keep going and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've not we had a beginning, you know, what was lucky was that we everybody in the band at the beginning, we all weighed about 110 pounds. Everybody in those days, if you look at all those pictures, everyone weighed 110 pounds. You must have never eaten. Right. We must have lived on light ale or something. But, you know, we were all skinny. So we were fast movers. So, you know, if something did get thrown at you on the stage, you. You were young enough and quick enough to dodge it. And uh, sometimes we had some big stuff went up there. Then we got, then we went through that period where we got ladies underwear. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we still get underwear. But They're just a, a little different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're different than they used to be. Yeah, exactly. Different. We, I've always been able to dodge trouble. And I think, I think people, when they see the show, they know that we're not going to, we're not going to say anything that would be offensive to any, you know, we just don't have that in It's none of the music has it. There's nothing that it would be. It's none of it is insensitive. I mean, next, you know, they're going to ban romantic songs, you know, as we get, Oh, they're bad for, you know, who knows. But in my life, when I was a kid, romantic songs were the heart and soul of culture because my sister lived with the words of other people. If if Leslie Gall, if Leslie Gall was singing, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to, or you don't own me, you don't own me, I'm not just one of your many toys. My sister believed all that. And she also had, I'm crying, I would already for a while. All that stuff, she lived all that stuff. And that I think is probably the big missing link right now that there is no romance even movies you look at Roman oh god what are they thinking you know now it's like two cowboys you know now what we want to have is is get back to romance in music where people have, were kind to people girls were kind to boys you know and there was no every girl thinks that they know how to hurt girls they only know I'll show her yeah but I got Boys had feelings when I was a kid. I remember asking a girl to dance and she said, no, I wanted to, I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me because all my <laughs> friends had seen her say no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get lost, tatty heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I did some fun things, Bruce. I did some, like, I went to uh, Ohio in Cleveland and I did an, an outdoor restaurant and they, they charged a load of money, like 325 bucks a person. And they got enough people in this outdoor restaurant socially distant to pay the real money mm. but i would do it for nothing i mean i'm missing it so much that i would do it for nothing now it's an odd mm -hmm. thing to say isn't it yeah. yeah i miss all that i miss it's like my wife doesn't understand it but i said look i left school i wasn't supposed to leave school until i was 16 but i left at 15 and i went and got a job as a window cleaner and selling newspapers and everything so that my dad I could leave home in the morning in my school uniform, change in the garage and go and make money rather than go to school because I was done with school. Mm -hmm. And um, since that day that I left school, I've never, ever been out of work, ever. I've always had on the horizon, you know, I've had a week where I didn't work, but always on the horizon, I've just got to hang in now for 17 days. And I used to write how many days off work so I could physically get ready for the date, you know, because I've got friends who are actors who get fat and then they get a movie and they go and get a trainer and they do all kinds of steroids and stuff. And then they show up for the movie. <laughs> 110 pounds. I don't do that. I don't do that. I go walk a little bit faster and I've got a bike, you know, one of those bike things and <laughs> But I got I I don't have any reason to do that. I just do it because you know maybe somebody will open up some kind of event. I did right. a private party. I did a private party for the Hard Rock Cafe in um, in Tampa, mm -hmm. and they just had a high rollers thing, and there was a room with a massive ballroom with tables of two, all far apart. Really mm -hmm. hard for my show. But it was probably one of the best shows I ever did in my life. <laughs> you know, because it was just, uh, the fear factor. It was just me and Vance. Oh, you know, okay. just the guitar. So we, yeah. it's a massive amount of fear involved in that. Because mm -hmm. he, he does know every song ever written. He just knows them all. So mm -hmm. I had to have a set list for that. And then halfway through, I realized these songs are not going to work with this lot. This is more they're going, who is he? <laughs> you know, they were just high rollers. They didn't pay. They, they didn't pay. Yeah. yeah. So that's a different audience. So I'm getting stuff like that to keep me keep me occupied. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you do stuff with Justine and I. Yeah. Exactly. That's even more fun. Yeah. Well, thanks, thank Peter. You, so you guys are great. No, Appreciate you are, it. Peter. Very personable. Well, thank nah, you. But you both, I, I like you both. I know you both, and I like you. Well, well I like, thank you. Peter. We like you too, Peter. I'll see you next time. We all get together whenever. I'll see you next time I see you is the new saying. Sounds wonderful. Sounds great, Peter. Thank you. Take care. Take Bye. care of yourselves. Good, good talking to you. Bye. Bye, yep. Christine. See Bye. ya. Bye, Bruce. See you, man. Thanks for joining us backstage and visit Justine and I at varietyattractions.com. Get your backstage pass and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce? Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Find out how you can take advantage of their expertise in consulting, talent buying, production, and marketing services for your next event at varietyattractions.com.